Take your Bibles tonight and turn with us again to Acts chapter 4. Uh, I want to read a focal verse there tonight and then kind of uh, go back and reach into some other parts of this passage of Scripture and share with you some thoughts about it. But would you stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God? Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, as we stand in your presence tonight and in the presence of these precious people, we thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Father, for you sending the man here whom you wish to be the pastor. Father, we pray your blessings not only upon Brother Randy and his family as they'll be preparing to move here. And Lord, we just pray your blessings upon them that you'll work out all the details, help them to find proper housing and all of those kind of things. Father, we pray for this church that it would continue to grow and prosper and see many souls saved into your kingdom. We just ask you tonight, Lord, as we stand here to proclaim your word that, Father, that you would illuminate our mind and on our lips, help us to speak your word in a way that would be uh, understandable to all. And Father, we pray that you will be glorified and magnified, but most of all, we pray if there's one among us tonight who does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that this might be that wonderful time that you would touch their heart and draw them to know you. Father, we praise you, we honor you, and we adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. I want us to think about the subject tonight. How do people know that we have been with Jesus? Is it our education? Is it our charisma? Perhaps our good looks, you know. Hmm. The way we dress, our actions. Well, what is it that lets others know that we have been with Jesus? According to verse 13, it was the boldness of Peter and John that convinced people that they had been with Jesus. I want us to branch out into this passage of scripture and I, I shared with you verses one through four this morning. But we want to, to just look at what happens in this passage of scripture down through about verse 21, 22, somewhere in that, nest, that area. But we'll, we'll go back in case you wasn't here this morning and pick up on the first thing that was happening. Peter and John, after the, the lame man was healed, and they had come into the, the temple area there, they began to preach and teach about Jesus to the people that were there. That's the first thing that, that we understand about how people know that we have been with Jesus, is that we're able to share with them who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. And this is simply what they were doing, that they were proclaiming what the Lord had given them to proclaim. So people understand and know that we have been with Jesus when we're willing and able to share with them, to teach and to preach about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now somebody says, well, God hasn't called me to be a preacher. Well, perhaps not, but you can be a witness. That's what we're all to be. These men were effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't have a lot of education. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that they were unlearned and ignorant men. That doesn't mean they didn't know anything. It means they hadn't been to seminary. They hadn't been through the religious training that so many of the priests and other people like that had been through. But they knew Jesus. That was the, the compelling point there. They knew Jesus. They marveled. The crowd marveled at this. That they knew Jesus so well. You see, education's all right, but education doesn't necessarily mean that you know Jesus. There's people with doctor's degrees that, that wouldn't even acknowledge the fact that Jesus is real. But there's some poor old farmers out here that just work the soil and they, they don't know a whole lot about how to do things in the math world and those kind of things, but they know Jesus. It's not the kind of job that you hold down. It's not the kind of profession that you have that lets people know you, that you know Jesus. I know some people who have pastored some pretty good-sized churches that I wondered, you know, sometimes the way they lived if, if they really know Jesus. Don't want to get judgmental about it. But there's another thing that I want to share with you here in verses 3 through 7. Those that really know Jesus and those that really proclaim Jesus, those that live in such a way that their life shares with other people that they know Jesus, that they will be persecuted. We find this happening in Peter and John's life when they were arrested and they were thrown in jail. Uh, and then, uh, you know, many times through the scriptures, we find where people were beaten and they were, they were uh, made ridiculed of. And notice what Jesus says about this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Jesus said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now notice what he says for us to do. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets which were before you. The Bible says this, if they've done this in a, a green tree, what shall they do in a dry one? They persecuted Jesus. They crucified Jesus. And some of this same group that had come after Peter and John. It's not a, a very popular thing in the world today to be a, a Christian. It's not a very popular thing to live for Jesus Christ. But it's a good thing. It's the best thing. Now, I, I want us to notice something else. That if you know Jesus, there'll be some fruit in your life. You bear fruit. Notice verse four there. It says, how be it many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of men was about 5,000. Just, just almost overnight here, the new church, the church that Jesus uh, had established here upon the face of this earth. It had grown from 12 to 120 to 3,000, now to 5,000. 
They were adding people as, as they were being saved. The Lord was adding to his church there. And the men, it says the number of men was about 5,000. One of my other Bibles says that they grew to about 5,000. Some people could interpret that, that there was 5,000 that were saved that day. I think it was more like a couple of thousand. But now, this is fruit. You see... Churches bear fruit too, as a, as a whole. That what their fruit should be that of disciples coming to know Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in verse uh, chapter 15 and verse five and following in the book of John. Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in, in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, notice this, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. What is the fruit of a, a believer in Jesus Christ? It's another believer. Reproduction happens. As, as the Lord saved me because someone told me about Jesus. And the Lord has blessed me over these 50 some odd years since I've been serving the Lord to be able to share with other people. Now I've never saved a soul myself, but I've pointed them to Jesus. And they've come to trust Him their Lord and Savior. It's such a joy to me to go back into the churches that I've pastored over these many years and see people still serving the Lord that, that was saved while I was their pastor and many of them that I baptized and, and to see they're now, they may have been a little boy or a little girl at that time, but now they're mothers and daddies and sometimes even grandmothers and grandfathers and they're, they're still living for the Lord. And that's fruit, you see. And God expects fruit from our lives. And the way to get fruit in our life is to uh, abide in Jesus, to remain close in Jesus and walk with Him and talk with Him and share Him with other people. And as you share Him, as you tell other people about Jesus, the Lord works in that to bring about fruit to bring about souls being born into the family of God. Verses eight through 11, I see in this passage of scripture, they'll know about us. They'll know that we're followers of Jesus when we're filled with his spirit. Look at verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, you rulers and the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. You see, when you bear fruit for Jesus and you're filled with the Spirit of God, 
people understand and people know that you've been with Jesus. Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. You said, you mean to say to me that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, as a matter of fact, it's a command from the Word of God. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a command from our Lord for us to be filled with the Spirit. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. He takes up residence in you. But He doesn't fill us until we allow Him to fill us. We may have to clean out some garbage out of our life. We may have to get things out of the way so the Spirit of God can fill us. But He does that. He fills us. And here Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice what happens. He begins to share with them. You rulers of the people of elders of Israel, if we're examined this day because of the good deed done to that impotent man, that lame man who was healed, if a good deed be done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? Now notice, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they didn't take any credit for this. It was Jesus Christ of Nazareth who had healed that man, whom you crucified, that very same Jesus whom you helped nail to the cross a few days ago, that Jesus of Nazareth whom you crucified, but notice, whom God has raised from the dead. This was their main contention, the, the Jewish people's main contention. They didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. And Peter proclaims that, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, by Jesus, does this man stand here before you whole. Peter doesn't stop there. He says, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. He takes an Old Testament phrase there about the, the chief cornerstone. And he tells them who this chief cornerstone is, that it's Jesus, that the church is built upon Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 16, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he's building his church. It's now come to 5,000 people who have trusted him as Lord and Savior. His church is growing. His church is booming. But the critics want it stopped. The critics want it put down. And Peter explains to them, this is, Jesus is the stone. He is the rock which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And he's called the chief cornerstone. Now, notice something else there in verse 12. That we believers in the Lord Jesus Christ will be known as followers of Jesus as we proclaim that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Notice what he said. Verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
That's not popular preaching in our culture today. People want to say there's many ways to get to heaven. You just choose your way. No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. These men had heard him say that the night before he was crucified. When he said to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And they said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And like I said, that's, that's not popular in our culture today. But it's still true. It's still true. Peter knew it was true. There's no salvation other than in the name of Jesus Christ. That's something that we need to cling to. That's something that we need to continue to proclaim. Because perversions of that, instead of leading people to heaven, they'll, they'll wind up in that other horrible place. How will people know that we're followers of Jesus? Well, let's read on. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And look at verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them. That man who was healed the day before. And remember, they had spent the night in jail. They could see that man beholding the man which was healed standing with them. They, the Jewish priests and all who'd come out there to arrest them, they could say nothing against it. They were speechless. They didn't know what to say because here was the evidence. Here was the proof. A lame man who had never walked a day in his life, who was over 40 years of age, and here he is standing with them, standing there with Peter and John. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. This is the, the Jewish crowd is conferring among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? They had run upon a question here. They had run upon a predicament. They couldn't deny that the man had been healed. Now they asked the question, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Hmm. But they come up with a, what they think is a solution. But that it spread no further among the people. Yeah, we've seen it. Yes, we've seen this man standing here. 
and we know he's been healed. But we don't want this to get out. We don't want this to spread. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to threaten them that if they speak any more in this man's name, this name of Jesus, we're going to get rough with them. Verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now here's, these men have some authority. Today we hear things like this, well it's okay to believe in Jesus Christ, just don't try to push it on somebody else. Here they're telling them, do not speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus, under the authority of Jesus. But you see, somebody that's been with Jesus, they can't really keep quiet. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. You be the judge of this. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We've seen Jesus, we've heard Jesus, we know Jesus, He lives in our life. We're not going to keep quiet. We're going to share Him wherever we go. We're going to tell about Him. You see, they would not compromise. They'll say in another place here, we ought to obey God rather than man. Now, our culture today is telling us just, just be quiet. It's okay to have your, your salvation or your religion, as most of them puts it, but just, just keep it to yourself. But that's not what Jesus told us to do, is it? Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But we've let ourselves get dumbed down We've bowed down to the culture rather than going out and sharing the good news with the culture. And I tell you, if there's ever a time in our world when the world needs to know about Jesus, it's today. We're headed down a, 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 a rough slide and going at a fast speed as a nation, turning away from God rather than turning to Him. So when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. Why? For all men glorified God for that which was done. Why? For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Was this the last time the church was persecuted? Oh, no. No. 
and it'll continue to be persecuted. I think about our dear friends over in Ukraine, and I, I, have, I have some personal friends there. And they're some of the strongest Christians I know. Some, we were talking somewhere before church here tonight and about the, the war that's going on there. Yes, Russia's bigger, they're stronger, and you know, they're trying to take over that little country of Ukraine. But they run into a fight that they didn't expect. And someone has asked me, well, why, why are they fighting so like that? They were under communism for 70 years. They knew what it was like to have no freedom at all. They knew what it was like to be told there is no God. They knew what it was like for one man to control everyone. And they came out from under that back in 1992. They gained their freedom. And it's become one of the fastest growing places for Christianity in the world. It's right there in Ukraine. You see, it's the devil trying to stop what God is doing in Ukraine. He's using Vladimir Putin. But those people are firmly standing up and telling people about Jesus Christ. They're some of the boldest Christians you'll ever meet. They remind me of Peter and John and the boldness that they had. We need to be praying for them. We need to be helping them and supporting them in all that we can do. And thank you for your support for them. I, I know that you've done that and continue to do that. But you see, the last thing I want to say here in this passage of Scripture, that when Peter and John stood up for Jesus, that God was glorified. Look at the latter part of verse 21. It says, For all men glorified God for that which was done. Isn't that wonderful? The men that had come out there, and a lot of them were standing by. A lot of them had heard Peter preach. A lot of them had saw that man healed. And it says, they glorified God for that which was done. They didn't glorify Peter. They didn't glorify John. They didn't glorify the lame man but they glorified God. And friends, when we really get down to business with the Lord and we really live a life that glorifies God, people notice that. People pay attention to that. And God gets the glory, not man, but God does. Do people know that Jesus lives in your life? Can they see Him in your actions? Can they see Him in the places that you go and what you do, how you talk? 
who you sing about. Many things that people are looking for Jesus in their lives. They marveled at the boldness of Peter. And they took knowledge of him that he had been with Jesus. Oh, that the people in our world today could take knowledge that we have been with Jesus. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer as we prepare for the invitation time tonight. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, tonight would be a good night to trust Him. It'd be a good night to ask Him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to tell you that we love you. We want to thank you, Lord, for loving us. And we pray, dear Father, tonight that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just move among us tonight. Lord, we don't know the hearts of any person who is in the sound of our voice tonight, but you know every heart. Father, is there one that is here tonight that does not know you as their Lord and Savior? May this be that wonderful night that you will tug upon their heart and you would just invite them to come and trust you as their Lord and Savior. Maybe others, Lord, that they've known you for a long time, that they've let their life slip into sin and have gone astray upon you and need to return to you tonight, Lord. We find in your word you said, return unto me and I will return unto you. Father, we pray that your will would be done in each of our lives. Now in this invitation hymn, may you have your will and your way in each life. In Jesus' name we pray.